Welcome to the Ridley College Chapel podcast. Our mission is to equip men and women for God's mission in a rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. For more information, visit ridley.edu.au. The Bible reading today comes from Matthew chapter 4, reading from verses 12 through to 25. And if you reach behind you, you'll find a red Bible. And the passage is on page 968. So that's Matthew chapter 4, reading from verses 12 through to 25, found on page 968. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light, On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew, They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and illness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralysed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Our friends, good morning once again. Uh, I have the task uh, of taking us through this passage this morning to see what treasure lies beneath. Uh, As I understand it, you just started uh, Oz Mission Week here at Ridley, uh, and I think the theme for this year is rural and remote ministry. And a part of my job this morning, uh, I just don't want to give you an insight, I actually want to convince you guys (laughs) to come to the bush. Uh, Stay here, study hard, get into it, be equipped, uh, get really well equipped, really well resourced. 
than leave. Leave the city, uh, leave Parkville uh, for a leaf change, or that Parkville leaf change, right, there's a park. Come to Tamworth uh, and go and serve God uh, in a rural or remote place. Uh, a place actually where usually it's quite hard, quite difficult to find well-resourced, uh, trained men and women. Uh, now, some of you uh, here, you may need, uh, know the need that I'm talking of here, uh, but for some of you, this may be a completely new thing. And um, what I hope for you, uh, to do for you this morning is actually to show you that Jesus cared about those hard-to-reach places, uh, so much so that actually this is where he begins his ministry. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to look at this passage that was read in the, uh, in the morning, uh, this morning, uh, and three events that are recorded for us here in the section. Uh, firstly, uh, you would have noticed there the prophecy from Isaiah. Uh, secondly, Jesus, he calls some blokes to come and follow him. And then thirdly, Jesus uh, actually begins his ministry, does some stuff there. Um, and so you guys ready to look at those three things with me this morning? Yeah. All right. Uh, Jesus and uh, the prophecy from Isaiah. This section actually begins with the fact that John the Baptist, I don't know if you noticed it there, had been put into prison. Uh, he was a forerunner for Jesus, uh, the one coming to prepare the way of the Lord. And it's interesting, isn't it, that if you go back and you read the account of John and the message that he came to preach, uh, in, in Matthew chapter 3, the message that he came to preach about Jesus actually is actually coloured by that of judgment. It's coloured by that of judgment. Judgment for those who had misused God's word for their own gain. Uh, John has a real crack at the Pharisees there. Uh, but here in chapter 4, we see uh, that the time for John has come to an end. Uh, one scene is closing. Uh, he's thrown in prison. And actually, Jesus decides that because this has happened, he's going to leave Nazareth now, pack his bags and go live near a lake. Who's ever wanted to do that before? <laughs> go and live near a lake. Who loves to fish here? Yep, that is not why Jesus has gone to live near this lake. <laughs> uh, this isn't what Jesus is doing here. Rather, actually, Matthew sees this in light of Old Testament prophecy. Specifically, Jesus, he goes and lives by this lake. Why? So that what we read in Isaiah 9 actually comes to fulfilment. Have a look with me. Bible's open there. Matthew chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. It says this, Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Now, why is this significant? Well, it's obviously, uh, obvious here on first reading that there's actually a problem with this region, this Gentile region in the northern part of Israel. And Isaiah actually describes the people who were living there in the lands of Zebulun and Naphtali as those living in darkness, those living in in the shadow of death. What is it with this death and darkness that he's speaking of here? Well, historically speaking, the northern part of Israel was a place typically where God's judgment came from. Uh, when Israel and their sin had rejected God's loving rule for their lives, typically judgment would come from the north, that place where Zebulun and Naphtali was. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali was a dark place in that sense. It represented uh, and was the highway actually for God's judgment on Israel. And so Jesus moves to this place, uh, leaves Nazareth, packs his bags, and he goes and he moves to this place. And he doesn't go to uh, go fishing, we know that. No, what does he do? He begins to preach. And um, what is his message? 
Verse 17, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As Jesus moves into this region, he does so to preach. Uh, John the Baptist was also a preacher. He said some pretty fiery things while he was around. Uh, got thrown in jail and prison for saying some fiery things. Uh, but Jesus' message here was to change the way you think, that is to repent and live in regard to God and who he is and how he has acted. To change the way you have lived apart from him in your sin, away from him, and now to turn and live for him wholeheartedly. Repent. For the kingdom is near. Uh, with Jesus' preaching uh, came a new day for those people. Uh, a new day had dawned, a new light had begun to shine in this place where darkness for so long had been. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven had come near. The king had finally arrived. And with the arrival of the king comes the kingdom. And when the, um, with the kingdom comes all the power of the kingdom. We're going to come back to this later. And so Jesus, this is what he does. He comes in fulfilment of prophecy written and spoken centuries before he was even born. So that's the first thing. What does he do next? Well, he calls some disciples. Uh, this is the second thing that Matthew draws our attention to. I don't know if you picked it up, uh, but this whole section from uh, verses 12 to 25, it has a few interesting transitions uh, it's like Matthew sort of begins with this massive look from the top of things. Uh, Jesus is the one who comes in fulfilment of prophecy. And now he zooms in, almost like a change in the scene of a movie. Uh, here is Jesus now. He's walking beside a lake. Uh, he's walking. It's like a close-up. He, he's walking here beside a, a lake uh, where he meets some blokes. And what does he do? Well, he asks them to follow him. He's preached that the kingdom of heaven is near. This sort of makes sense. He's looking for citizens, obviously. And so Jesus, he goes and he meets Simon and Andrew and then James and John, and these blokes are fishermen. You can say a lot of things about this scenario, ask a whole bunch of questions that aren't really relevant. Um, uh, were they salmon fishermen? Did they fish for trout, cod? Uh, you know, where do they like to throw their nets? All this sort of stuff, but uh, none of that is really relevant to what's going on here. Uh, even actually the fact that they're fishermen... Uh, isn't really relevant at all. Uh, I mean, Jesus has moved to the place where there is a lake and he's walking along one day near the lake. And who do you find near lake? A lake? Fishermen. Uh, and here these guys are. You say, for Jesus, what they do actually isn't as important as what he calls them to, what he's going to call them to. And actually, verse 19 there, you read it. It says, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Now, kudos to these guys, right? Uh, here they are, they're fishermen near the sea. Uh, some random in Jesus comes along uh, and asks them to follow him so that he can send them out to fish for people. And have a look, verse 20 and 22. That's exactly what they do. Immediately, they drop what they're doing and they follow him. Jesus isn't just some random though, is he? Uh, you know, I'm always surprised uh, by this account. Uh, firstly, Jesus here, by calling them, uh, is asking them actually to forget their livelihoods as fishermen, to follow him. And then secondly, to go and fish for men, what does that even mean? Uh, men, are they expensive? Are they going to pay the bills and you know, put food on the table? Is that what is happening here? 
Uh, does that mean they're literally going to go and catch people, put them in a net or even lock them up like John the Baptist? Is, you know, is Jesus walking beside, and you see James and John, then they're mending their nets there. And he goes, you know, they're pretty big. They might fit a few people in them. We can, that's, this is what I'm going to get you guys to do. No, that's not it at all. Why? Something else is going on here. The kingdom of heaven had come near. The king is here. Jesus here when speaking of fishing for men is actually asking the disciples to give up their livelihoods to go and live in service of this kingdom. So that instead of fishing for fish to add to their catch, they would go now and fish for people to add to Jesus' catch, to his kingdom. I don't think I ever got this uh, until I went and left my job as a diesel mechanic before I went to Bible college. Uh, I spent all this time, you know, working in this dirty old shed with dust and grease and all this sort of stuff, fixing cars and trucks uh, to come out the other end doing what? Teaching the Bible. Now giving my life to tell people that the king has arrived, the kingdom of heaven is here to repent, to turn from sin, to follow him. As I reflect actually on my time as a mechanic, a lot of great things happen uh, in life. met a lot of really good blokes, worked on some interesting vehicles. But as I think about what I do now, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back. Fails in comparison to what I do now is I try to introduce people to Jesus and help them home to heaven. And friends, I want to say to you this morning that the same will be for you. Uh, Once you understand the significance of Jesus and who he is, uh, this king who has come into the world, Uh, this one who was establishing this kingdom, when you get that, it will change your life. Uh, You'll want to live in service of him wholeheartedly. You guys get that? This is why you're here at really (laughs) studying the Bible, Uh, trying to think about, well, actually, what's next for me? As we read on, we actually see another scene change as Matthew, once again, he sort of zooms out and he actually begins to speak generally of what Jesus does for the next little while. And this takes us to our last point, Jesus and his ministry. Uh, These last couple of uh, verses are quite interesting to me. Uh, It's sort of like Matthew here is paraphrasing who uh, Jesus is and and what he has come to do as he begins his ministry. Uh, He goes uh, about on a preaching and healing tour. And he goes and does all of these amazing things. And as a result, uh, what comes to him? Fame and fortune. Uh, Miracles and massive crowds. In verse 23 there, we see two things that stick out that Jesus does. And I I think this is actually a bookmark for a whole chunk in Matthew's gospel. You see, here we see Jesus, he's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Uh, He's healing every disease and sickness among the people. And the reason that I think that this is a bookmark is because what comes next? This massive sermon on a mountainside, right, with his disciples. The Sermon on the Mount, 5 to 7. You read in chapters 8 to 9, we read about the 12 events that happened there, nine of which is some sort of miracle or healing that Jesus does. And this sort of establishes a pattern for what Jesus will do in his ministry. And when you get to the end of chapter 9, you read these verses, almost identical to what we read in verse 23, chapter 4. Chapter 9, verse 35 says this, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, 
teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. What's Jesus getting at here? As Jesus called those blokes, those fishermen to come to him, the big danger in chapter 4 is this, is that they look at all that Jesus is doing here, all that he began to do, all that would come his way in terms of fame and fortune and actually think that that was ministry. This is what it looks like to be in service of Jesus. This is what it actually looks like to go fishing for men, miracles and massive crowds. But friends, that's not necessarily the case. Uh, In chapter 9, verse 36, Matthew makes some other observations about what is going on here. And he says these words, and this is the other end of the bookmark. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Uh, As Jesus looks around at everything that is going on, uh, the busyness of his life, are these people who are coming to him with their needs, day in and day out, what does he see? The people who are harassed, the people who are helpless. Uh, What do you call a fly without wings? A walk, brilliant, someone knows a joke. Uh, What do you call a sheep without shepherd? Uh, As Jesus looks around, what he sees is lost people. And actually, it's not that these people don't know where they are. That's not what he's talking about here. That's not what Matthew was getting at here. No, this is not a comment about geography, but rather this is a comment about their spiritual condition. Uh, These people are lost in their sin. Like sheep without a shepherd, harassed and helpless, like citizens without a king. Friends, if this was all there was to say about the human condition and the world in which we live, uh, wouldn't it be a horrible, horrible thing? To characterise the world as, as helpless, harassed, lost, completely depressing. And you know what? There are actually millions of people right across the world who live whether or not they know that this is the case. No people like this. But it's okay. Why? In that time when Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Uh, You see, Israel's great hope had finally arrived. The Lord Jesus, and this is significant, why? Because Israel's great hope is not just the great hope of Israel, is the great hope of the world. Is our great hope. And he comes and he preaches this message of repentance that people would turn from their sin and begin to live for God again. One that would see uh, people come from death, living in the shadow of darkness, and find life. Here he is, Israel's great king, bringing the kingdom of heaven into people's hearts and into their lives. Uh, not like a kingdom, like Israel, that had been torn apart because of their sin, led into exile. Uh, no, 
the time of living in darkness had come to an end, the arrival of Jesus. And so Jesus, that's exactly what he does. He goes and he preaches and he calls people to himself. He calls people to repentance. And you know what? He doesn't end there. Uh, He goes and he dies on a cross and he rises to new life so that those very people, uh, you and me, can join this kingdom. So that anyone actually who, who would come and put their faith and their trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins would find this new life as well. Uh, People don't have to live in darkness, in the shadow of death anymore. So what? Uh, I'm not sure how you felt over the last couple of years. Uh, Hasn't it been a little dark? Hasn't it had sort of the, the echo of death to it? Uh, We've had horrendous bushfires in our country, the likes of which we've never seen before. Uh, More recently, the floods in the north, eastern part of our country. Uh, We're possibly on the brink of another war. Uh, Things are unstable. People are living in fear of death. And all the while, an invisible virus with a Latin name for crown continues to rule the world. Does that have to do with rural ministry, though? (laughs) What does any of this have to do with rural ministry? Well, I can say from all this, actually, you know what? Well, here Jesus is. Uh, he's going all over the countryside uh, with this message. And so it means at one point or another, you should consider country ministry. Uh, actually, you know what? Jesus lived in a place called Nazareth. Pack your bags, come and join us. Actually, you might be here this morning. You might be thinking, well, I don't know what degrees you guys have done before. What does my sword juggling degree have to do with rural and remote ministry? How's it going to be effective in the bush? And I think all of these questions actually, while valid, miss the point. See, the people living in Capernaum, Nazareth and Galilee, they were living in darkness and they were lost. Do you know what? Uh, So is Tamworth where I live. Uh, So is Parkville, so is Melbourne. So are other places in the world. Here's something that's different. And the four years that I've been at Tamworth, at my church, uh, which is probably the biggest church in the diocese, the most uh, well-resourced church, the four years that I've been there, we've had three uh, full-time staff leave. And I just don't mean like three people leave, I mean one come, one go, one come, (laughs) Now, in a church with 600 members on the books, think about what that means for the opportunities that there is to preach this message of repentance, that the kingdom had come near, that Jesus the King has finally arrived. But think also about the need that there is in the community to preach this message. See, friends, there are simply not enough men and women who have understood the gospel and who would go and serve Jesus in these sorts of areas. Preaching this message. Uh, This message that the kingdom of heaven is near because the king is near. The people, they don't have to live in fear of darkness because of sin anymore because Jesus, the light of the world, has come. You know, they, they say you never know what's behind a door until you push on it. 
Uh, and I found out this was the case for my wife and I, particularly as we moved to Tamworth. Uh, I like country music, so that was a big bonus. Uh, and I like Aboriginal people. I've been an Aboriginal person myself. Uh, and so uh, we went there with some... But we didn't know what it was going to be like. We had no idea. Even... I was, I was born in Dubbo. I knew what country areas are like. But we asked for wisdom, prayed for wisdom, and we had to go. And so, friends, this week, as you think about... Mission in Australia and rural and remote areas, let me encourage you that as you continue to study and think about this glorious message that you and I have been trusted with to preach, uh, here's a cheesy thing for you all I want to leave you with. Uh, because the kingdom of heaven has come with the king, because we can find life and forgiveness of sins, give the bush a push. Give the bush a push. Push on that door. Really consider our rural and remote ministry this week as a possibility for you. As you study, as you get equipped and resourced well here at Ridley for full-time gospel ministry, really consider what it might look like for you to go and do ministry in the bush. Uh, tomorrow, Greg Harris from BCA will be here. Great guy. And then uh, my boss, the Bishop Rod, who's the big boss, uh, he's going to be here on Thursday. And as I speak to you, Consider these things. Consider these things. I'm sure that I'll have plenty to share with you in regard to ministry uh, in rural and remote areas. Push on that door and see what happens. Uh, Why don't you pray with me? Uh, Dear Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Uh, Lord, we pray uh, as we continue to think about uh, Mission Week uh, and all that it holds for us. Uh, Lord, let us never lose sight of the Lord Jesus that one who came in fulfilment of prophecy so that people who were living in fear and darkness and death wouldn't have to anymore. Lord, we, we we're so thankful uh, that he comes and he, and he equips us to be able to do the work as we follow him and do what he did. And Lord, we pray this morning uh, that as we uh, go about our days and our studies, uh, Lord, we would seriously consider what it would look like to serve you in the bush. We ask this in all of Jesus' name now. Amen.